Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. Man, as the caption says, the drought is fucking over. The Cleveland Cavaliers have finally beaten the Golden State Warriors by the score of 115 to 104 in Cleveland, might I add. And to those of you who may not recall, just to know, just for your own personal knowledge, the Cleveland Cavaliers have not beaten as if they didn't plaster this all over the broadcast, right? But I'm going to tell you once more, just because this is how significant of a win this is, in my opinion. Today marks the Cavs' first victory against the Golden State Warriors since game four of the 2017 NBA Finals. Ain't that some shit? Like, for real, ain't that some shit? And if you're talking regular season, Cleveland's last victory against these fuckers came on Christmas Day 2016 when Kyrie hit that dagger to win the game. That is how long it has been since the Cavaliers have emerged victorious against the Golden State Warriors. It's been six, seven years. Six to seven years of taking L's to these motherfuckers. And we finally emerge victorious Oh my God, it feels good. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to take my victory lap. You know, that's just what I got to do because a lot of people, you know, they were counting this team out. Y'all were counting the Cavs out before the game even started due to an understandable uh, tidbit of information. Isaac Okoro, obviously, who did not suit up tonight, who we deemed was probably going to be pretty damn valuable tonight considering the matchups that would you would have to have him out there again. Uh, against Steph Curry, who came in to this one averaging, I believe, 30.8 points, 5.7 boards, 4.3 assists, while completing an absolutely absurd 55.1% of his field goal attempts, including 46.5% from three-point distance. Man is playing like an MVP. Curry came into this one literally averaging 5.5 triples made, which is tops in the league throughout the start of this season. It's a big reason why he had this team at five and one prior to this, uh, prior to tonight's matchup, obviously. And I gotta say, without Isaac Okoro in the lineup to help contain Curry, you know, that's a gargantuan task within itself. But without him in the lineup, knowing that you held Curry under thirty, right? And I know that sounds like a a small, like not necessarily an accomplishment, but to hold the motherfucker under thirty points. Yes, he did drill seven of 11, but one of the things that I was saying headed into this one was that, you know, we knew he was going to eat. But the question is, were you going to be able to limit the supporting cast? And the Cavs, by and large, were able to do that. They held Steph and company to just 104 points and 36% from the field. Not a joke. They held one of the hottest offenses in the game to 36% from the field. They still shot 39% from three-point range. You know, they're always going to do that. These fuckers are they're, – they're always going to throw that three ball up, and more often than not, it's going to go through mostly led by Steph, you know. Uh, and, you know, early on in this one, Evan Mobley picked up two early fouls, which gave way to George Niang minutes way, way earlier than anyone probably would have wanted to see. but. Uh, you know, he entered around the 920 mark in the first. But you know what? Niang was pretty solid tonight. Uh, he knocked down two early triples, and the ball movement looked really, really good tonight. Uh, guys were making the extra pass when necessary. And as a result, Golden State had to work that much harder to contest these these shots, right? And, you know, Steph and company began this game exactly how you'd expect, jacking up threes. 
you know, if I'm not mistaken, completing around six to seven in that first quarter. But Cleveland was right there with them, man. They were they were putting the shots up too, and they were they were falling. Um, guys who who have kind of struggled as of late from the perimeter actually were starting to put down shots. Niang was one of them, right? Uh, just two of four from the three-point line tonight, but they were very timely. And as Joseph uh, Knees down here says, I'm, I, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, but but he looked much better while on the floor with Garland. Indeed. And speaking of Darius Garland, as you guys know and see, I got the uh, the, the City Edition jersey on right now. If you can't, it's the Garland jersey. These these bad boys look better uh, in person. They really do. The, the initial photos do not do them justice. And I'm sorry to go on a tangent like this, but I'm just so uh, I'm pumped up right now. And, and speaking of Garland, honestly, man, like you can tell just the, the difference, the vast difference in the way that this offense flows when you have Darius Garland out there conducting it. And, you know, for him, the stat line, if you're just looking at the counting stats alone, 24 points, three rebounds, seven assists, um, plus 15 on the night. Absolutely a great game, as Marty McCoy says down here. Just a, a great game from many Cavaliers, uh, Darius Garland included. You know, he didn't necessarily shoot too well from the field, just 6-17 on the night and went uh, 0 for 5 from three-point range. But the one thing that actually fucking occurred, DG drew a whistle. He got the whistle on the night, 12 of 13 from the free throw line. They were actually, because these refs, man, I don't know what the fuck these refs been on to start the season because I've just seen some of the most bullshit calls in these uh, first six to seven games. Uh, But tonight, they gave the Cavs a fair whistle, in my opinion. And Garland was the recipient of a lot of those, right? 12 of 13 from the free throw line. Absolutely uh, enormous in a game like this when his shot was not falling. Um, and I think that will come in time, right? DG's not going to be an inefficient shot chucker. He's going to look to get guys involved. He did that. He had seven assists on the night. But he's also going to look to drive inside, get into the paint. And you know what's key to that shit? Niang, Struess, Mitchell, Karras, guys who can space the floor. The floor is open as fuck right now. I don't know if you guys are seeing that. But the floor is wide open, and that's with Evan Mobley out there. That's with Jared Allen returning to the starting lineup. And, you know, I'll talk about him in a little bit, but absolutely loved the game from DG tonight. He looked to attack inside, which, you know, DG gets a lot of flack for that. People people really give DG a lot of flack for not really looking to uh, to, to be aggressive in, in driving inside. Uh, you know, it's, that's something that Donovan Mitchell is very adept at doing, right, and, and Donnie gets a lot of calls in his own right. Donnie also, you know, he's going to make more shots from the three-point line than, uh, you know, most. And he did that tonight. But Garland, essentially, in a night where his shot failed him, he was able to just, you know, just attack and attack and attack inside. Absolutely fucking loved it. Dr. Claw 77, I was waiting on you. This is a perfect fucking Sunday for me. Browns shut down. Eagles beat Cowboys. Might I say, I know none of you guys are probably outside of Dr. Claw and myself. I know not many of you, if at all, are Philly fans that are watching this. But man, Dr. Claw, I know you got to agree with me. That that one, I had both games on, right? And that, that sucks, but I, I did my best to split my attention between the two when needed most. And that last fucking drive uh, for Dallas, oh my God, it had me about to rip my hair out. <laughs> the fouls, there was like 
three like back-to-back defensive penalties on Philadelphia that damn near had me uh, getting screaming at my TV and shit. But thankfully, they were able to pull that one out. I know this is not a Philadelphia Eagles podcast, but I just got to say, it just adds to the night, right? It, it makes me feel even better. As Dr. Claw says down here, Brown shut down, Eagles beat Cowboys, and Cavs dump <laughs> the Info Warriors. Great Sunday. Absolutely phenomenal Sunday. Oh, man. It has me feeling sky high right now. It, it could not really be any better. I'm on cloud nine, to be honest with you, with the way that today has gone in sports, right? Uh, but again, back to Darius Garland. He was not the only Cavalier out there who had a good game. Literally every starter out there in the Cavs truly envisioned starting five because prior uh, to the game against Indiana, the Cleveland Cavaliers had trotted out the most starting lineups of any team in the NBA, right? JB's had to mix and match and plug and play with a lot of these rotations that he's had available to him. And you still don't have Ty Jerome available, but you have basically your entire complement of guys out there. Because even with a healthy Ty Jerome, he was not necessarily guaranteed minutes in the first place. So tonight, you know, Indiana, the Indiana game was, was woeful, right? It was a game that Cleveland should have won or could have won rather. But it was also a game in which, you know, the Cavs kind of held the, uh, the the minutes for, for Jarrett. And you saw some of these some of these things kind of play out that you didn't necessarily like in that first half against them. But tonight, the Cavs from start to finish, honestly, and this is what you love to see from start to finish. This team looked exactly like they did in that third quarter against Indiana. They attacked on, uh, in, on the defensive end. They attacked in transition. They did not play scared basketball. They moved the ball. There was beautiful ball movement all around. They were spreading the floor. You absolutely loved to see it. All five starters finished in double figures, headlined, obviously, by Donovan Mitchell, who had yet another 30-fucking-point outing uh, in, in, in a season. If this dude does not get MVP love, you know, if things continue on this trajectory, the NBA is rigged. <laughs> I just got to say it because this – it's rigged to not vote for Cleveland players. Uh, but to say this man, that his stats don't impact winning and that he's just, you know, filling the stat sheet up pointlessly, you are not watching the games. Because Donovan Mitchell, prior to tonight, really has been the offense and really has been the only reason the Cavs have been in most of these games prior to tonight, right? He has been the offense unto himself. Continued that tonight. I loved it. He was efficient. He knew when to attack. He knew when to move the ball. And, you know, I'm not going to point anybody out here, but I've continuously heard in the past that Donovan Mitchell is not a playmaker at all. I don't know how respectfully, I don't know if you're listening to this and you know who you are. If you are watching Donovan Mitchell and have been this season, I do not understand how you could reasonably believe that Donovan Mitchell is not capable of playmaking. Is he Darius Garland out there? Is he an elite playmaker? No, but he can play the point guard position. He can divvy the ball up. He can spread the floor. It just comes down to whether or not his, uh, you know, the guys around him are going to make shots. And tonight, having Darius Garland back out there, having Max Struess out on the wing, we'll talk about in a little bit, having Jared Allen out there as, you know, an interior presence as a rim runner, and Evan Mobley who continues to impress, despite many people saying he hasn't added anything to his game. Felt good, man. Felt really fucking good. And this guy, he's just on an MVP trajectory. He outplayed 
anybody on that Warriors roster, Steph included tonight, uh, to get the Cavs to a three and four mark. And to me, this is a big win, right? This is something just like the win against New York. You can point to and say, hey, we got our guys now. Let's see how far we can carry this thing. Let's let's try and put a few of these together and and get this rotation right and, and get things a little bit more solidified. And this is what I've been trying to fucking tell people like that. This is why I could not understand for the life of me, like watching the Cavs drop some of these games. Obviously, the one against OKC stands out who we're getting ready to take on. Right. Um, and then Indiana, both losses to Indiana. Uh, they really stick out in your mind as as games that the Cavs could have won. But in saying that, you know, I'm not making excuses, but you can clearly and reasonably see from a rotational standpoint, not having some of these guys out there, how much they were missed. And so now that we do have our full complement of guys back in here, you're going to see the results pay off, right? You're going to see just how much the addition of Max Struess improves the spacing of this offense. Now that you can say you have Jared Allen out there, right? It looks good. They're they're playing with a fast pace. They're out there uh, hustling on the defensive end. Max, his off ball movement, like my God, can we can we just take a second to you know the, the shooting numbers are not always going to be great for him. <laughs> thanks tune in yeah i love it i, I love it uh this 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 dg jersey a lot of people were hating on the uh the the city edition jersey to you know when those f- images first surfaced but there once you get them on once you get them in person uh, and now that we've seen them on some of the players right they're phenomenal they're phenomenal i love them uh but again you know this is what i was talking about you have your full complement of guys left and this is why we can't get too low on them. We we could never have gotten too low on them because we just didn't have these guys out there, right? And now that we do, people are going to be hopping on the bandwagon saying, oh, I never said this. I never said that. Or, you know, I always believed in this team. I hope you did, but I saw a lot of you saying you didn't and, then, <laughs> and that things were already lost, right? Uh, and tonight, a victory like tonight, just like against New York, this is one that you can really point to as a statement victory, especially coming over a po- an opponent you haven't fucking beaten in damn near six, seven years. This is big time against a very hot five and one Warriors team led by the ageless Steph Curry, who's still doing his thing. And, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and shit on their supporting cast because, you know, Clay Thompson, he's not the guy that he once was. Right. Uh, but he can still drop the three ball. He did that tonight. It was just three and nine from three point range. But the threat, the mere threat of his ability, just like with Max Struess, as I've been telling you guys, the mere threat of that three ball dropping, that's big time uh, for the mentality of a defense, right? Having to account for that. Uh, Draymond Green, you know, again, he's another guy who's starting to get up there in age, but he's ever impactful, right? 18, three and eight, five, 11 from the field and two very aggravating threes might I add, but you know, I just got to say this, like anytime Draymond green is a career 35.1, uh, 35, 31.5% shooter from three point distance. If I'm not mistaken, anytime he's making threes, you kind of live with it. Right. And for him, uh, you know, it's similar to Isaac Okoro, right? Guys who are not noted three point shooters who the defense, kind of can sag off on uh you know and you kind of live 
with the shot if they make it so that you can double somebody else or uh, position yourself to defend a, a higher percentage look for all that somebody else might be taking. Draymond Green kind of falls in that category from three-point distance. Now, I know some people are saying, well, defend the fucking three-point line. Well, it's a calculated risk, right? Because more often than not, although Draymond Green, I'm not going to shy away from this. I'm not going to not mention it. Green is averaging, you know, prior to tonight's game and tonight's going to help, obviously, because he went two or three from three point range prior to tonight. He was shooting 40 percent from three point distance by far the best of his career. But again, just like a Coro, it's on limited volume, just two and a half attempts per game. Right. So um, you live with that. You live with that anytime Draymond Green is spacing the floor. Uh, and, and I, I <laughs> as Dr. Claw says down here, we won the finals on a game where Draymond had more than 30 and a double double otherwise. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, tune in sports down here. They had this plastered over the broadcast, but again, this is, you know, just a phenomenal thing to really an astounding thing to think about, right? That we hadn't beaten them. Uh, since at least in the regular season, because let's not take away the game four victory in the 2017 finals. I know we all like to forget about those last two finals with LeBron because <laughs> they didn't necessarily result in uh, you know a lot of good feelings, right? But that there was the 2017 finals game victory, and then the Christmas Day in the regular season. Uh, where Kyrie hit that phenomenal shot. We got RJ dunking on, I forget who, I think it was Clay Thompson. I can't remember who it was, but I, I maybe you guys remember. RJ had a crazy dunk in that game. Uh, you know, it was really highly touted coming in because it was the first matchup, if I'm not mistaken, with KD, uh, you know, being on that roster. And the Cavs gave them a run for their money. Uh, but yes, just, just really good feels across the board tonight. Let's talk about some of these other small details, shall we? Um, and I'm not even going to say small. Let's say let's let's go big here. Jared Allen, Jared Allen in 28 minutes tonight, 12 points, nine rebounds, three assists, five of seven from the field, two of two from the free throw line. Right. The charity stripe for Jared Allen. Yes, I knew I, I knew I had that one. Right. Um, that was like seven years ago. So forgive me, but I called it right. Thank God. Yeah. Old man. RJ destroyed Clay. Thanks. Tune in. Uh, <laughs> um. Just to, you know, I might have to check that out just to just kind of refresh my memory here a little bit. But Jared Allen, the thing about him, right, we all knew the shot attempts, they were going to continue to decrease as you added more and more rep, uh, weaponry to this offense with the addition of Max Strews. Uh, but the one thing that we can say, Jared Allen is never going to complain about that, right? He's going to go out there. He's going to do his job, which is rim running, grabbing putbacks, and playing defense right protecting that rim and one of the things that's uh underrated about his ability about his defense is his ability to switch to right evan mobley gets all the la- all the love uh you know in his ability to do that but jared is sneakily good on that as well like he can reasonably switch out to the perimeter if you need him to but he can also protect that rim uh tonight you know he came up pretty big on the glass and he made timely shots Something that to me was really, really missing in this offense was like the presence of a true rim deterrence. And while I love Evan Mobley in that regard, you guys know how I feel. I do not necessarily feel like Evan Mobley is a five right now. Can he do that? Yes. Is he versatile enough to play both the four and the five? Yes. 
And theoretically, from an offensive standpoint, you know, long term, it would be nice to see him be able to do some of the things that he does from the four spot uh, and, and let that carry over to the five. But a lot of what makes him valuable right now is having Jared Allen out there, right? Especially on the defensive end when Jared can focus primarily on protecting that rim. That allows Evan Mobley to kind of patrol things, right? He can be that free safety of the defense. He can go out there and defend out on the perimeter if you need him to. He can switch back out into the uh, into the post and, and protect the rim in minutes as the five, as the backup five, right? In some of those lineups. And you see that. We've got to we've gotten to see a lot of that to begin this season without Jared Allen out there. But having him, you know, watching him in these these previous games, saying Jared Allen has really opened my eyes to the fact that, hey, it'd be nice to have him there long term. But, hey, we don't need him to. Not just yet. Not when we have this damn near seven footer. Uh, you know, I honestly, I have no idea what the sizes of these guys are. They kind of it, it just kind of feels like it fluctuates all the time between six, ten, six, eleven, seven foot, whatever, whatever we're feeling like at any given time. But uh, to have another big man out there who can play at a borderline all-star level in Jared Allen, that's big time on both ends of the floor. It allows Evan Mobley to function in his more natural position and do some of these things that we've become accustomed to him doing. And speaking of Mobley, you know, in a season where uh, people are complaining constantly, and we're just, what, seven games in now? We're just seven games in, right? Um, in a season where we're this early into it and you got people complaining, well, he hasn't added anything to his game. What the fuck are you guys expecting? Like, are you, do you want him to look like KD out there? <laughs> are, do, are you wanting to where are you wanting him to look like prime KG? Uh, somebody like that with that archetype? Because when I look at his game, you know, he's basically right now, if you're saying that he hasn't added anything to his game, to his offensive repertoire, his bag, as the kids say, I'm just going to respectfully tell you that's not true, right? He looks far better and, and well more positioned as a facilitator. He's moving the ball really, really well. As he has typically done, but he looks much better as a facilitator. He is attacking the glass a hell of a lot more. He had 16 boards tonight uh, in a 12 in a 13.16 rebound double double, six of 10 from the field. And this is the thing: like, if your concern is, well, Evan Mobley is not spacing the floor. You cannot knock a three ball down. He only attempted one on the night. He hasn't attempted a ton to begin the season. If that is your concern, I'm just going to tell you, like. It was never going to happen overnight. Like, clearly, he has the skill set, but it may take him longer than we would like, right? Got to remember, the kid is just 22 years old. There was still time for him to develop that consistent perimeter shot. To those of you who want to see a consistent mid-range jumper out of him, I completely understand that. I do. And I think that will come in time. But you say that this kid has not added anything to his game. To me, it's just utter folly, right? He continues to add stellar defense, right? Whether it be inside or out on the perimeter, he's basically walking. He's basically a walking double double despite not adding anything to his game. It, so it, it kills me, right? And there are going to be games when he looks like he is unstoppable from an offensive standpoint because he's attacking inside. And right now, with the amount of shot creation we have on this squad in Darius Garland, who looked 
you know, much better than he did against Indiana. And obviously Donovan Mitchell, who's in line for an MVP caliber season, it's okay. Especially when you have added a floor spacing forward or wing rather in Max Struess into the lineup as well. It opens things up for everybody. It opens the passing lanes. It opens the cutting lanes. It just opens the paint. You know, there's a lot of different things that this offense, uh, there's a lot of different changes that this offense have made. It's not just the pace. It's not just the additions that they've made. It's really the approach that they're taking, right? They are literally jacking up threes at a pace that we hadn't quite seen them do last year. And, you know, it's not necessarily the most efficient way to play the game, but more often than not, when you have this level of talent, it, it's going to work, right? Tonight, just 30% from the uh, from three-point range on 37 shots. They only made 11 of those. But I've I've liked the, the, the style of play. And I just got to say this, right? People have been giving JB a ton of shit to start the season. His rotations are ass. He's not running any type of offense. There is no offensive identity. We're playing too much iso ball. Look, the Cavs, just like I said last time out, sometimes, you know, not even just sometimes, I'll just say this flat out. When things start to break down for the Cavs, they often revert to old habits, right? And one of those old habits is isolation basketball. You see a lot of Donovan Mitchell hero ball going on out there. And to be honest with you, sometimes that's your best as as the Cavaliers without having Darius out there, without having Jared out there, without having Isaac out there, you know, guys who you can really count on to give you production, uh, not just on the offensive end, right? Sometimes hero ball in the Donovan, in the case of Donovan Mitchell is your best way to eke out wins. And we've seen that, we've seen that work in the past and obviously you want to go away from it. And, but sometimes that's really all you can do. So you can't necessarily blame that on the coach. Things that JB has got to work on, right? Uh, you know, timeout management, right? Knowing when and when not to call timeouts. I, I think it was against Indiana when he called a timeout that kind of slowed down the momentum. That's definitely something that JB can work on. The rotations. Sometimes the rotations are a result of who you have available to you. In the Cavs, we know the song and dance. They hadn't had a full healthy roster. You still, you know, you're never going to be 100% healthy, right? Somebody is always going to be missing some time. And that's, that was the case tonight, right? No Ty Jerome still. But when you have, I would say 90 to 95% of your rotation available to you, that's a lot of times is going to dictate what your rotations look like. And tonight, JB, I thought, did a wonderful job managing these guys' minutes tonight. When you just look up and down the roster, one of the things that, we, that we've absolutely slammed JB for in the past, and I use we lightly because it's not, it's not typically me, but even I am not blind to see that sometimes these starters are playing too many minutes, right? One of the things that I've loved is the fact that I just want you guys to listen to this. You know who led the Cavs in minutes tonight? Max Struess with just 36. And I say just lightly as well, right? Doesn't sound like a small amount, but when considering the fact that, you know, over these past couple of games, you've seen guys approach the, you know, the 40s, the lower 40s uh, in some of these games that have come down to the wire, right? Uh, tonight, Donovan Mitchell only played 34 minutes. Darius Garland only played 30 minutes. Evan Mobley, 29. Jared Allen, 28. Levert, you know, as I continue to say, he is basically a six starter out there. 
uh, you're going to give him a good amount of minutes. Just 32 tonight for him. The next, uh, the next closest was George Niang, who saw 25 off the bench. And, you know, we've already talked about how impactful he, he was even to start the game, coming in early for Evan Mobley after he picked up those early fouls. Um, spacing the floor out there, grabbing some boards, doing some of these things defensively that we're not quite accustomed to seeing him doing. He's been, you know, ever since that game against New York, uh, in which he limited, limited, put it in quotation marks because Julius Randle just has been asked to start this season. Um, you know, even in that game where he, again, quote unquote, held Randle to two and nine from uh, from the field, he's actually played solid defense, right? The offense comes and goes. This the the three ball comes and goes, but Niang has been solid. He's been a worthwhile addition for what you got him for. Um, and I think I saw this the other day. Uh, you know, I can't remember who said it, but um, people missing Kevin Love. And I get that. Kevin Love hasn't been terrible. Yeah, Kevin Love's actually had a pretty solid start to the season uh, for what the Heat are, you know, got him for. But uh, Niang, he's been solid, man. You can depend on him on the defensive end, uh, you know, in, in some cases. You cannot do that with Kevin Love, right? Uh, but... I got to admit, like uh, the signing starts to look every, you know, better and better at each passing game. Like, again, the shooting is going to come and go. He was just two of six from the field and two of four from three point range. Uh, But this is the thing. This is what I want to continuously remind people of. Like, it's not just how many threes you're knocking down. It's not how many threes you're taking. It's about the threat, right? Does the defense have to account for you when you're out beyond the three point line? When you're outside the arc, does the defense has to send a defender your way? Do they sag off of you like they do from, you know, like they did oftentimes for the likes of Isaac Okoro, Jetty Osmond, uh, Lamar Stevens, Karis LeVert at times last year? Um, are they defending you the same way that they would? Are they giving you that same level of respect that we see from some of these other shooters that are on the roster? Um, and, and, you know, a perfect example of that is Max Struess, Right. His three ball is not dropping consistently right now. He was just three of 10 from the uh, from three-point range tonight. But defenses are having to account for him. He is opening the floor up for the likes of Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell and Karis LeVert even, right, when they're trying to knife inside and attack the basket or uh, drive in for kickouts, right? That's big time for your offense, having that spacing available. Because as we all know, like – that was one of the biggest cruxes of this Cavaliers team in that series against the Knicks was just the complete lack of shot making, uh, you know, and and a lot of that boils down to just not being able to space the floor, which they could not do that for much of that series. And so Niang, you know, guys like that, he was he's been pretty solid to begin the year. But again, my my overall point is that JB did a pretty solid job managing his rotations tonight. Dean Wade, who I think only got three minutes against uh, Indiana, saw the floor for 13 tonight and came in like almost when the moment called for it. Right. Uh, Three of four, three points on the night, just four rebounds. But he was impactful out there on the defensive end. And, you know, he did his job. Uh, Same with Tristan Thompson, who, you know, man, I just. I got to say this because it just, it continues to amaze me, right? Uh, You know, in in, in terms of basketball, uh, you know, we often think that 32, you know, we often sit here as fans and act like 32 is old in basketball years. But in all actuality, you know, these days, 
guys are routinely playing into their late 30s, right? Uh, and Thompson, for what it's worth, he might actually be a little more fresh, uh, you know, or fresher than most because he basically got to sit out an entire season, uh, suiting up as an ESPN basketball analyst, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, we know he returned to the NBA last year, signing with the Lakers for their postseason run and, and actually gave them some impactful minutes uh, when he saw the floor. Uh, he's been much the same here, given the wine and golders a much needed shot of energy off that bench. Right. And tonight, JB put him out there for 11 minutes. And in those 11 minutes, he was able to contribute three points and five boards. And one of the things uh, that I absolutely love that he brings to the table is his infectious energy, right? We know that he is not necessarily what he once was, but he has still got something left to give, clearly. He still has something left in the tank. And he, in my opinion, he continues to prove that the starting, you know, not the starting job, Jesus, the backup center position is his, right? He is the backup five when they want to go with a more traditional size big. And we probably have seen the last of Damian Jones uh, for now, right? <laughs> at least at this point in time, if it's not necessarily coming in spot minutes, because Damian technically did play tonight. He only, he got one minute. Um, but his days as the reserve, uh, you know, the, the the first option as the backup five have probably come and passed already. And that's that's not necessarily an outcome that I would have predicted, uh, you know, coming into this season because I honestly wanted to see what Jones had, uh, you know, because we know he's moved around a bit, right? Uh, but I hadn't quite seen enough of his game to say, hey, this guy has it or he doesn't have it. And I know a lot of people, based upon the first couple of games, are already out on him. And we may very well see Jones later on down the line. But for now, Thompson is your guy due to the infectious energy that he attacks the offensive glass with. The you know He's still hustling on the defensive end. Uh, although, again, he's not quite what he once was because Tristan Thompson, in his heyday, you know, hearkening back to the mid 2010s, right, with the LeBron, Kyrie, Kev era uh, Cavs, Tristan was a sneakily good skill, you know, skill big on the defensive end of switching, right? I mean, we talk about Evan Mobley all the live long day about being able to do that, but Tristan Thompson in his own right, you know, back in his prime, he was able to do that as well. He did that in the finals on the biggest stage. You saw how impactful he was in, in some of those finals series. And so I couldn't be any happier to have Jones back out there. Uh, I mean, not Jones, uh, Thompson back out there, rather. Uh, but all in all, tonight, just a solid victory. Something that the Cavs can cling to and say, hey, we've really got something here, right? You, you played a very good game of basketball from start to finish. And one of the things that we have consistently seen out of this team dating back to last year is that, you know, sometimes the Cavs will start off really, really hot and then flame out. Uh, you know, they also were guilty of like starting sluggishly. We saw a lot of that last year. Uh, we've, we've actually seen that this year too with the rash of injuries, right? Notwithstanding. But we have rarely seen them put a complete game together start to finish. That was beautiful basketball throughout. And and we all, you know, those of us who know the game, right? Everybody, and you know, even if you're new to basketball and you're not necessarily, or should I say casual, right? I think that's the term that people like to use these days. If you're a casual viewer, 
the one thing that you have to understand about basketball is that it's a game of runs, right? You're not going to make 100% of your shots. The def- you know, the, the, the defense is not always going to be able to, uh, to, to withstand the offense, right? Sometimes better offense wins out. But for the Cavs, understanding that, you know, it's an ebb and flow kind of thing here, giving a consistent effort from start to finish does wonders for you, man, uh, especially on the defensive end. The Cavs, for what it's worth, this is the first time in a very long time. You know, if you want to loop New York in there, that New York game in there as well, but this this is honestly one of the best games I've seen out of this unit uh, in a while, in some time. And I know that I, I kind of have to say that lightly because you do have those new additions in Struess and Niang and, and Thompson, right? That in, in the case of Thompson, is he really a new addition, right? Uh, but again, this is the first time in a while that I have seen this team play from wire to wire, like consistent effort on both ends of the floor. And those of you who have criticized JB very loudly, I hope the 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 you know the praise for him is just as loud, right? I hope you can at least admit tonight he was able to inspire and encourage these guys and and get a lot of ball moving out there. You did not see too much isolation ball, and uh, you have to give him his props and his kudos for that. Just a phenomenal game. Never mind that it came against uh, your, you know, at one time nemesis in the Warriors. And to get that monkey off your back from a proverbial standpoint, that's big time for this team. And I hope that carries over because you still got a pretty rough stretch ahead of you. Uh, just looking ahead here, you know, Cleveland, they're going to take on OKC, you know, a, a, another opponent who the Cavs let a game slip away to in the past. And then you have another game against Golden State, right? And that one is going to be at the uh, Chase Center in San Francisco, you know, on their home court. So I'm very curious to see if they can give a similar effort tonight uh, to uh, on November 11th, you know, on that Saturday that they did tonight. And mind you, this, and you know, I completely didn't necessarily mention this, but I'm not going to skirt past it, right? You did this from a defensive standpoint. You held one of the best offenses in the league in the Warriors to just 104 points and 30 uh 39%, if I'm not mistaken, uh, well, 36% rather from the field. You did all of that from a defensive standpoint without your best point of, uh, of attack defender in Isaac Okoro. Did not see that coming. Just got to say, got to be honest. Those of you who are Okoro detractors, I'm sure you'll probably use this game as an example to say, hey, you don't need Isaac. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I ha- honestly, you know, and obviously I disagree with that. But to do that, to, you know, not having Isaac available and still holding them to those numbers, that speaks volumes about the level of team defense, right, that this, that this team was able to, to do out there. And some of that was attacking the defensive, uh, defensive glass, you know, ending possessions for this Warriors team. And, you know, I'll just speak on that before I head out of here. Um Several Cavs attacked the glass tonight, you know, obviously led by our, you know, our young star in uh, Evan Mobley, who finished with 16 on the night. Uh, But this was obviously, you know, heading into it, it was a big factor in in tonight's win, right? 
We know how valuable the three ball is in today's game. And the Warriors, obviously led by the Splash Brothers, who came into tonight as a top 12 team in terms of both three-point percentage and three-point attempts this year so far. Um, so, so limiting their possessions was going to be key and they did that tonight. Right. Um, if I'm not mistaken, just checking the stats here, the Cavs won. And I don't know how often you've been able to say this. They won the offense. Well, they won the uh, rebounding battle 54 to 44, a 10 rebound margin. I don't believe that's happened too often for this team as of late. So, you know, limiting those extra possessions, not letting guys get those offensive rebounds to, you know, that that can come back uh, to bite you, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, right? Uh, you know, allowing the guys extra opportunities to shoot the triple. That's big time, especially for a team who shoots it so well and and takes so many threes. Uh, as TuneIn Sports says down here, since having Spider, we finally beat LeBron James' team and Warriors. Yes. It, it it feels good, right? It, it honestly, the Cavs are no longer a team that should be, just be viewed through the lens of just LeBron James, right? When you're talking about some of, some of the historical things here, Cavs can make a a new legacy, right? And it's not like the Cavaliers ceased to exist after LeBron James left, right? And it's certainly not Le, not like LeBron uh, was the first Cavalier, right? <laughs> Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers existed far before LeBron James was was even born, right? Uh, but again, it's become synonymous. The franchise as a whole has become synonymous with LeBron. And to know that these guys are kind of writing their own legacy here and really can have a bright future ahead of them. Um, you know, even even in my opinion, without mentioning Spida, right? These guys are talented. There is a lot of talent on this team. And when you add Donovan Mitchell to that just makes them that much more dangerous. And as I continue to say this, like Lord knows what Donovan's going to decide to do in the future. I hope he resigns. He may not, but for now I'm, I'm perfectly fine and content to let this season play out because I believe in the core of this team. And I know a lot of you people out there who listen to this podcast or interact with me on Twitter some of you guys think I'm over the top with the positivity, but nights like tonight, honestly, they're why I'm so fucking positive, right? I see the I see the vision with this team. I see the talent on the roster. I see what this team could be. And yes, I know that's the key word. It's all about, you know, potential is nothing if it's not realized, right? But in saying that, I believe in them. And I hope this not this win tonight inspired. Some of you, even the most negative of you out there, even the most, uh, you know, searching for the right word here, right? That, that, that's politically correct. Even the, 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 the biggest naysayers out there, right? The biggest and harshest detractors out there. I hope tonight's win inspired you enough to kind of change your mind on the outset of this team. And I know long-term, we just don't know enough, right? We don't know truly if... The spacing that the players like Max Strus and George Niang provide to you, like we don't know how that's going to look look come a playoff atmosphere, a playoff environment. But I gotta believe, man. I, I have to believe it's going to pay dividends. I really do, and I hope tonight, just like the win against New York, right, a statement victory. I hope it was enough to at least change some minds because this is a good team, and this is a young core. 
And we do, believe it or not, have a bright future ahead of us. And with that being said, I think that's a good way to close out, right? Uh, Again, Cavs will take on OKC on Wednesday, November the 8th. We got some time off, right? Got a couple of days in between our next game here. Um, And I I, I just got to say, it was really nice having the Cavs come on uh, earlier, right? Uh, So I can jump on here and not be on here super late. It's only 921 my time. Uh, Absolutely loved it. So today has been a phenomenal day in sports. Cavs victory over a, a hated opponent, a Philadelphia Eagles victory over a hated Dallas Cowboys team. It's a beautiful day, a beautiful Sunday. That said, if you'd like to reach out to me, you know how you can. It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you want to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to itscavalier53 at gmail.com, and I'll send you an invite. Go Caps.